Good evening, everybody. Just very quickly before we get into it, there is a dark coloured four wheel drive in the car park with their lights on. S289BUE. Is that anyone? <laughs> Feel free to go and turn them off if you don't want to stay overnight. <laughs> Thank you all so much for coming. Oh, she's going. <laughs> I'll be talking when she gets back anyway, so she won't miss anything. My name is Jane Webster. I'm from the Marion Library Service. We are thrilled to have Monica back again. It's been a long time, so we're really happy to have you back. Um, we're also really happy with such a fantastic turnout as well, so thank you. Um, in her 12 best-selling novels, Monica has created many memorable families, including the Quinlans, Gillespie's, Faraday's and the Templeton's. These families have fought, driven each other to distraction and supported each other through the toughest of times. Monica is here tonight to talk, us, talk to us about her books, her writing, inspiration in creating these rich characters. After the event, Monica is going to sign again and we've got books on sale thanks to Shakespeare's books. Uh, please join me in welcoming Monica. Hello, everybody. Well, it's nice. It's like we're, we're, I feel like I'm on play school or something saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, a lot of you, if you've come and heard me speak here before, um, or you, you might have heard me talk about this on radio, is that my first job out of school was on the Here's Humphrey TV program. Uh, ah, some people haven't heard. Great, I get to tell one of my favourite stories. Um, so I, I grew up in Clare, as I'm sure a lot of you know, and, um, and then uh, got work experience at Channel 9 and then um, got a job as wardrobe girl on the Here's Humphrey TV show. And um, people were really rude about that, of course, because of, um, Humphrey obviously never wore pants. <laughs> and um, so they'd say to me, either you're really terrible at your job or... Uh, he's got an unusual, um, you know, unusual approach to costumes. And then I went on to become a uh, scriptwriter on the um, Here's Humphrey television show. And again, people were very rude because, of course, Humphrey B. Bear doesn't speak. <laughs> um, but I often think it's, it was the most perfect first job to have because, um, in lots of, in, quite seriously, actually, because writing for children in television, um, it's all about keeping, this, you know, it's keeping everything moving, making it as lively as possible and strong characters, all of which has been you know, almost like doing a writing course. Um, but my first three books were romantic comedies. And I always think that, um, you know, Humphrey was, was really my original hero, you know, the perfect strong silent type. So <laughs> Uh, but thanks a million to Jane for, for the lovely introduction and, um, and to Mike and Becky from Shakespeare's books. Um, I'm not sure if Mike can hear me, but it's actually Mike's 50th birthday today. Um, and he's chosen to spend it with all of the 300 of us. <laughs> so afterwards, um, I think Becky was coming in and Mike's staying outside. So if all of you, just every time you go past him, would you say happy 50th? <laughs> that would be super. Um, and, um, and, and, and I'm thrilled to have um, sort of old friends that I've met out um, outside and um, my beloved Auntie Marcy is here in the front row and Marcy's um, in her 90s, I won't say exactly how many in her 90s and I've got lovely cousins here and um, cousins-in-law too so thanks to my family. Um, my mum is doing terrific, she hasn't been well in recent years but she's in brilliant form again um, but I've forbidden her to come because uh, it's, it's too cold and I want her to stay warm. Um, but. I made her listen to my speech about five times, so 
So I think she's kind of glad not to be here, to be honest. Um, it's really, it's great to be back in South Australia. This is um, kind of an unexpected trip for me. It's, I'm back on a research trip. Uh, at to, I'm working on my 13th novel and um, I'm also back obviously to see family. And on the weekend I was involved uh, in a terrific launch of a book about the uh, Riverton to Clare railway line. Um, so I, I helped launch that at the National Railway Museum because there's a chapter about my dad, Steve, in the book. And Dad died in 2000, um, but he was the last station master at Clare. And um, uh, it was really special for, for my whole family to be involved in this book with this, this chapter about him in it. And I also got to drive a steam train. And, um, and I don't know if anybody remember the Bluebirds, you know, the country trains. They have a Bluebird uh, at the National Railway Museum in Port Adelaide too. And they let me drive that as well with, with a couple of carriages full of passengers. So. <laughs> Um, I think they're all getting over their whiplash, they'll be fine. <laughs> um, as I said, it, it is really, it's just it's brilliant to be back home again, um, particularly in winter. Um, oftentimes I've, I come back and it's summer, um, but it's really good to be back here when the weather is, is, is colder and I don't have to worry about Factor 50 sunscreen or hiding inside like a vampire from the bright light. Because actually, when I left Ireland last week, uh, it was experiencing a very rare and miraculous uh, summer heat wave, um, with temperatures reaching into the 30s, which is really, really rare for Ireland. Our summer weather is usually about 18 if we're lucky. And it's so unusual, I'm sure any of you that have got friends in Ireland or the UK would, would have been hearing from them as well, that it's making daily news headlines. And uh, we're having water shortages in Ireland and the hose bans and you know they're talking drought conditions. And there's been tips on lots of radio programs um, on how to cope with the heat, um, with you know people, um, experts coming on to tell people how to apply sunscreen, um, which was really childishly amusing to an Australian like me. And my favourite tip from one of these experts was this uh, excellent suggestion to stay in the shade where it's cooler. Um, I'm actually really sorry to be missing it because, um, as I said, it is a very rare occurrence that you know we get to actually you know sit outside in, in the summer in Ireland, and I often think of my first summer um, there, which was 27 years ago, and uh, it was you know the, that day after day of wild winds and lashing rain and dark clouds, and my mother-in-law Nancy uh, was very apologetic about this, and she said to me, "This isn't our usual bad weather." Our usual bad weather is much nicer than this. <laughs> um, she's right, actually. Um, this, this is the first tour, actually, that I've, that I've done when I haven't had a new book to talk about. Um, instead, I have 12 books to talk about. And, uh, but I promise that doesn't mean this talk will last 12 times longer than usual. So what I'd like to do tonight is, is talk a little bit about how I write my books and, and, and what, what are the ingredients that go into them and my characters. And then what I'd like to do most of all um, is, is have a question and answer session. It's always my favourite part of doing any talks. So please do you know, think up any questions you'd like uh, to ask me about you know, my novels or other people's novels or the Clare Valley where I'm from or Dublin where I live. Um, the topics are up to you, so please don't feel shy. And I know that could be asking for trouble. Um, a few years ago, I was giving a talk in a bookshop in America, and at the end, I asked if anyone had any questions. And there was a really long, excruciating silence, and before a woman finally put up her hand and, uh, and asked, how much longer are you going to be? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I'm also happy to let you know, I'm, before I start, I, I won't keep you too late, I promise. Um, before I left Ireland, I was tidying my attic office and I found a folder of paperwork that Mum had sent me a few years ago. And it included my school reports from um, primary school at St Joseph's in Clare and then Clare High School. And among them was my first report uh, from my grade five, age, oh, sorry, grade one, age five. And the teacher had commented, um, Monica is extremely interested in everything. <laughs> and 48 years later, uh, I have to confess, nothing has changed. Uh, if anything, I think being a writer for the past 20 years has only sharpened that curiosity I have, or to call it by its other name, nosiness. <laughs> and I can't apologise because uh, I believe that curiosity is one of the key ingredients to being a writer. To want to invent fictional people, uh, you need to be very interested, uh, in, extremely interested even, in real people. And my poor husband often bears the brunt of my curiosity, having to move me along when I become too interested in other people's conversations, for example. <laughs> um, one night we were in a fancy restaurant um, celebrating his 50th birthday. And he was in philosophical mood, uh, looking back over his life and talking about his hopes and his fears, the good times and the bad, when he noticed I was no longer captivated. <laughs> I was also apparently leaning to one side, <laughs> all the better to hear the couple uh, seated next to us. And later I did my best to explain. Uh, I'd, I'd gathered from eavesdropping this, this couple beside us that they'd met at a conference that day and sparks had flown between them. And they were now at dinner, they'd, they'd snuck away, pardon me using the word snuck, but they'd snuck away and were about to embark on an affair. And so they were talking about what that might do to their marriages, but how they were, how they were powerless in the face of such attraction. Um, so can you blame me for wanting to listen? <laughs> And I, I promise that the next night my husband had my full attention uh, until the couple behind us um, <laughs> truly started to argue about um, he was upset because her mother was interfering with the way they were raising their kids. And um, so I think my husband's going to start just bringing a book to dinner, actually. Uh, when I meet new people and uh, they hear that I'm an author, I'm often asked, what kind of books do I write? And I used to sum them up as family comedy dramas. But more recently, I've found myself saying uh, that I write big books about messy families. And at the front of my sixth novel, which is called Those Faraday Girls, I have a Chinese proverb that reads, no family can hang out the sign, nothing the matter here. And I realise I could have put that in front of all of my books, and possibly all of us could hang that on our front doors as well. With, with each of my stories, what I do is I invent a fictional family and then I set off what I call an emotional explosion uh, of some kind in their midst. Uh, it could be a dramatic event, uh, it could be a tragedy, uh, for example, in the House of Memories, um, when you know, probably the worst thing that can befall a family, the death of a child, is what sets that, the, the ripples flowing in that story. Um, the revelation of a secret uh, for those Faraday girls again, which is about young Maggie who is brought up by her single mother and four aunts and discovers there's another aunt and there's a lot that she hasn't heard about her family. And that's what set that, sets that story running as well. And I think that's because I'm fascinated personally by family life uh, in reality and in fiction. In, in each of my novels, um, 
via my fictional families, I've been able to explore families of all different shapes and sizes. Uh, so I've had uh, big families, I've had very tiny families, families that have got um, step-siblings, half-siblings, um, foster children, all the different shapes and sizes that our families can be. And through them, I'm able to confront some of my own greatest fears and concerns and problems um, that might befall perhaps my own family. And it's one of the joys of being a writer, I've realised. I not only save a fortune on therapist bills, <laughs> but with each of my books, I'm able to climb deep inside my own heart and mind to discover what really matters to me uh, in terms of family relationships and, and you know, everybody relationships. And that helps me understand what matters to other people as well. Because my books aren't factually autobiographical. Um, I'm often asked do I base characters and events on, on real life, and I don't. But all of my books are emotionally autobiographical. I write about love and grief and secrets and lies and the ties and tensions between siblings and relatives. I write a lot about the links between generations and all of which I've experienced in real life. And I love sending my characters on journeys, physical, lots of physical journeys. My books always have lots of international settings and, uh, and I like what travel does to people when they move. The fact that you take yourself with you is sometimes a problem. Um, but also obviously emotional uh, journeys as well. And I love to include lots of drama, uh, but also plenty of comedy, uh, a romance or two, and plenty of twists and turns and mishaps and misunderstandings. And I'm always so touched when I receive uh, emails and letters from readers of my books or through my Facebook page um, telling me that a scene or a character or a situation has struck chords with them. And that happens a lot and it's a really beautiful thing when it happens. And it reminds me that we humans are all so similar uh, in that we all make mistakes, we all get hurt, we all hide the truth from one another at one stage or another. And that makes real life tricky at times but it's glorious material for a novelist. And I know that I owe much of what I do um, as a writer to my childhood uh, in the Clare Valley of South Australia, where I grew up in a family of nine. Um, I'm a, the middle child of seven kids, and um, middle children are famously um, severely psychologically disturbed, <laughs> which has also been terrifically helpful in my career as a novelist. Uh, but a, a big family is a wonderful way to learn about the world, I think. Uh, so many different personalities living under the same roof. Uh, you know, we share joys and happy times, but of course also sad times and tense times. And my dad, Steve, worked as the railway station master, and I loved the fun of visiting him in his workplace, you know, which was the railway station, which was just down the road from our, our big family house. And um, despite the fact it was just down the road from our big family house, uh, Dad used to drive to work. <laughs> and it took him 12 seconds. <laughs> um, Mum did her best to tame the seven of us, and I'm sure my Auntie Marcy would back me on this, because I'm sure Mum used to ring her to complain about us, um, before giving up um, us up as a lost cause in terms of taming us, not us as children. Um, and she took a job in the local library, um, which was wonderful news as far as I was concerned because that meant we had after hours access and the key. And my three brothers and three sisters and I were very close growing up and we're still very close now. And I think all the, the strong relationships and certainly the dialogue, our house was a, was a house full of, of chat and conversation and laughter and storytelling, 
Um, all of that helps me write my, my books now, I know that. And I don't think it's any coincidence either that the stories are all filled with a large cast of characters and complicated at times, family dynamics, but plenty of laughter and comedy alongside the sad and tragic events, because I know all that. I've, I've felt all that in my real life. I started writing my, as a published writer uh, in 1997 um, with, with my first book, uh, A Taste For It, uh, followed by Upside Down, Inside Out, and then Spin the Bottle, which were all romantic comedies. Um, because at the time, I think that's how I was feeling. I was newly married, the world seemed so full of promise, you know, glowing almost. And I, it felt fun to write fun books about you know, two people keeping them apart and bringing them together. But then as, as I got older, uh, as it happens to all of us, sadder things start to happen to, to me and the people around me. And my dad died in 2000. And even all these years later, I still feel that grief, you know, still sometimes get that, that real longing to ring my home number in Clare and have him answer, G'day, Mick Mouse, which was our family nickname for me. Um, or to visit and hear him say, without fail, every time he saw me, no matter how true or false it was, Moni, have you lost weight? <laughs> <laughs> and I know that the grief, you know, and how that changed my family, how that changed the, the, the shape of my family, um, has filtered into more than one of my books. But of course, I've felt other sorrows uh, through the years as well. I've lost close friends in tragic circumstances. I've watched feeling helpless as other family members and friends have suffered losses or had troubled times of their own. I've felt that despair and the loneliness and grief and anxiety and anger and confusion that all of us feel at one stage or another in our lives. But amidst those difficult times, uh, I've always either found or somehow been given joyous times too. Um, Often it was with new nieces or nephews. I've got 18 nieces and nephews and I dote on all of them. I've got great friendships with wonderful women. Uh, the wonders of travel have always given me great entertainment and solace. Uh, the constant reassuring and loving presence of my husband and my mum and my brothers and sisters and my friends um, mean so much to me. And with my family, even living on the other side of the world from them, uh, I feel like I'm in the middle of them oftentimes. I'll wake up in the morning, we have a, a family WhatsApp group chat, and often I'll wake up in the morning and because of the time difference, they'll have all been talking to each other all day long. And, um, and sometimes it's like reading a sitcom script because everyone's, <laughs> everyone's trying to outdo each other as we used to do sitting around the kitchen table in Clare. And all of that goes into my books too. Um, I often describe writers as walking compost bins because everything that happens to us, um, you know, be it places we've been, people we meet, experiences, the emotions we've felt, all of it goes in, as it does with all of you, but as a writer, that becomes the, the raw ingredients that mulch down into the other matter that we then pull our stories out of. And that's, um, that's the wonderful thing about being a storyteller, I think, is that you, you, you pull in the material from all around you. And sometimes they're joyful things. Uh, you know, as I said, with all my international locations in the, in my books, I've always used everywhere I've ever been, and um, and and I've been to everywhere in, that you'll read about in all of my books, except for Antarctica. Um, but the sorrows of life, the drama, and the disappointments, um, and as in real life, sometimes those difficult things can be resolved, but not always. And as a person and as a novelist, I'm optimistic but I'm also realistic, because I know that not all endings can be happy. 
Um, but what I always try to be in my novels is hopeful. Each of my books uh, takes me between one and two years to write, uh, from the first idea to the time that I see it on a bookshelf. And I write many drafts, ten at least, uh, which I keep to myself. I go over and over and over it, trying to make sure the story is as good as I can make it. And I never know at the start what will happen at the end. Um, so if you're reading one of my books and you get taken by surprise by a plot twist or a character doing something unexpected, I've had that same surprise. I wouldn't have seen that coming either. The Irish writer John McGahan said uh, that to be a writer, you want a good, boring life so that nothing can distract from what's going on in your head. And that's really true as well. So it, it, it takes imagination and concentration and determination, um, and in my case, many months alone in my attic office in Dublin to write each of my books. And writing a book is, is also, I think, in lots of ways, like um, making a film, uh, except I play every role. I'm not just a screenwriter, but I'm the director, I'm the location scout, I'm the casting director, I'm the caterer. Um, though I ban biscuits and chocolate from the house when I'm writing, otherwise I live on nothing but sugar and butter, I think. I also really believe that there is a magical element to writing and to reading, which are the most interlinked of things. Every writer creates something out of nothing, which is then shared with the world. And it's like ESP in many ways, I think, that through my books I transfer a story that I've conjured up in my imagination, created in my imagination, directly into your imagination as readers. And the characters I create in my mind become characters in your minds afterwards when you've picked up my book. And it's such a special process and I'm really honoured uh, to be part of it. So I, I do want to take a moment to just to say a great big thank you, not just for coming tonight, but for being readers and for being book lovers and for on a cold July Adelaide night coming out to hear a reader talk about her books. Um, and to my publisher, Chloe from Penguins, here with me, and um, for the support that all authors get from their publishers, obviously, and from booksellers like um, from our birthday boy and Becky. Um, I love being in any gathering of book lovers like this, and I love what I do. I feel very privileged to be able to be a full-time writer, and that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for people like you. So I just want you all to know how much I appreciate that um, so much. I also believe that reading, uh, we're, we're all members of a very special club, I believe. Um, reading is so important to us all as human beings. Um, I know myself that it gives me great solace and comfort and joy and entertainment. Uh, reading can, can shape itself to lots of different moods, I think. Um, the books I read help me understand other human beings and other generations, other ways of living, other cultures, other countries as well. I always feel better when I read, more than I ever do after being online. Uh, I feel peaceful after I've been reading and I feel nourished as well. And writing actually has the same effect on me. I, I pour my heart into every book I write and there are always ups and downs throughout the writing process with every book when the storylines aren't quite working or characters aren't behaving or misbehaving enough, um, but I keep going day after day, page after page. And that absorption and that concentration, um, being really immersed deep inside a fictional world day after day, really feeds my soul, I know that. And I've been thinking about what I've learned over the past 20 years um, of being a published writer. 
during which I've written the 12 novels and many short stories, as well as dozens of newspaper and magazine articles. And the first thing I realised was it's been wonderful fun. It's, been, it's just been great fun. I thought his Humphrey was a pretty good job, but this tops it. Um, I've met thousands of readers in, um, in many countries around the world on book tours, and I've seen my books translated into more than a dozen, 15 languages now, actually. And I've met many other writers, too, and, and all of that is, is a beautiful world to be part of. But I've also realised it hasn't got any easier to write the books. Um, I think when I wrote my first book, I thought perhaps you know the second one will be easier, um, and it wasn't. And with each one, because I want to go deeper and I want to you know make it as entertaining as I can for for anybody that might like to read them, um, it's it's hard with each one. But I know that now. That doesn't surprise me as much. Um, so I still face that blank screen each time, um, the blank page, with the same feeling, and it's it's a mixture of nerves and excitement and fear and determination, but there's always this small bright spark of an idea uh, and a fictional family that I can't wait to get to know better. And my big hope is always that you as the readers will feel that same sense of curiosity and anticipation when you pick up one of my books. So to finish up, before hopefully you'll have some questions for me, um, just to say thanks again, really. Um, just to say again how much I appreciate you being here tonight and for borrowing or buying or sharing um, my books um, for emailing me. I get a lot of emails through my website and I treasure them and on Facebook and Instagram I get to talk to lots of readers in Australia even though I'm on the other side of the world. And it's a really wonderful feeling to get a message from somebody, um, sometimes quite crossly, that they've been up until 3am the night before <laughs> because I've been reading one of my books or that I made them cry, which is always particularly nice. Um, I had a letter from one lady asking me to please write a sequel to those Faraday girls. And she helpfully included a long list of all the things that she wanted to happen. <laughs> it was two pages, actually. Um, and I wrote back to her and said, you know, I think you need to write it. You know more about them than I do. Um, and as I said, it's, it's also a real treat to be out of my attic where I spend a lot of time with fictional people in a, in a beautiful room here in Marion with lots of real people. Uh, so thank you again uh, for coming out and to Jane for hosting me. And, um, and as I said, over to you for your questions, I hope. I think there's a, a roving mic is going to come around. Thank you. Um, so as I said, please, um, please feel free to ask anything. But for, for now, as I finish the formal one, thank you all so much. Pop your hand up if you have a question. Oh, excellent. We're doing well in the front row. Thank you. Monica, how much input do you have into the covers of your book? Um, everybody heard the question? Okay, good, great. How much input to the covers? It depends on my publishers. Um, I've been published here in Australia uh, with Penguin, now Penguin Random House, for, um, well, for 18 years. And um, so we, we know each other very, very well and it's a really close relationship. So they'll show me early versions of covers. And if I think, oh, it really doesn't match the book that I have in my heart and you know what I think, then they'll, they'll always take that on board, which is terrific. Um, and and like the, there's a new look to my, my backlist, which is you know the publishers speak for, the, for the, all 12 of them, which you'll have seen on, on um, Mike and Becky's table out the front. 
beautiful vintage covers. Um, so they're, they're all, you know, I think for the first time, they're all like almost a complete set. Um, but because some of them have been, you know, some of them are about 15, 16, 17 years old. So they, they needed like a new look. Um, and that has been really beautiful to see those ones come together. Um, so certainly in Australia, I, I feel really part of it. Um, there's always a point where I, you know, I'm, I'm the writer. I'm not an art director. I'm not a cover designer. Um, so there's always a point where, you know, I do need to take a step back. But they, the Penguin and Fantastic, they let me be as closely involved as I'd like to be. Um, internationally covers, um, as I said, my books have been translated into about 15 languages. And with those publishers, I have nothing to do with it at all. Um, what happens with those is I will get a great email from my agent in London. I have agents in London and New York and, and Sydney who, who are kind of your business manager, if you like. They look after you, you know, the um, uh, contracts, etc., with publishers. And um, they'll let me say, oh, great news, a publisher in Latvia or Brazil or Portugal, you know, would like to publish your book. And that's great. And then about a year later, normally, um, it, it arrives in the post. And, uh, and that's the first I'll have seen the cover. And sometimes I love them, and sometimes I don't love them. Um, <laughs> and that can be quite strange, actually, to see them. I often put up on my Facebook page, and I have it on my website, actually, too, um, particularly with the Alphabet Sisters, because that's in about, there's been about 20 different editions around the world. And each cover is so completely different that you wouldn't believe it's the same book. Um, because publishers, you know, there's different trends in each, in, um, you know, they might be trying to approach a different sort of readership. Um, so that's always a surprise to me. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, obviously I prefer having an input into it, but it, it's always, you know, when I know that parcel arrives, it's quite interesting to know <laughs> how I'm going to feel when I open it. <laughs>